0: Gracious Heavenly Father, how we love and adore you. And Heavenly Father, as the song we just lifted up is most certainly true, we need you Lord right now. Heavenly Father, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, my Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said amen amen if you could grab your copy of God's Word and meet me in the book of Matthew the gospel according to st. Matthew chapter 28 Matthew chapter 28 we'll just lift up lift up a couple of verses uh, 16 through 20 they're very familiar but we'll by God's grace go through them spend some time here for the next couple of weeks apart from Mother's Day that's its own special day uh, next week we want to look at the ethos or the uh, the characteristics of a of a Christ-centered church and it's Critical that we be a Christ-centered church because if we're not Christ-centered we'll be self-centered. Amen. Uh, so what, what does it look like? What are the core tenets of that? Uh, what, what does it look like to embody Christ's likeness as a church? And so um, for the next couple of weeks again apart from Mother's Day we'll look at the Great Commission, uh, we'll look at the Great Commandment, and we'll also probably end with the Great Requirement uh, out of Micah, uh, Micah 6.8. Matthew 28 you there Uh, 16 through 20 reads as this ESV now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age I am with you always until the end of the age I want to talk with you this morning uh, church for a few minutes about a church on mission Uh, church on mission. Uh, Did you know that there were two ships that night that responded to the Titanic, Titanic, that famed ocean liner which began to sink, Uh, one of which was called the Californian and it was just 10 miles away from the Titanic. But sadly crew members and operators had turned off their radios 10 minutes before the Titanic began to sink. They did however notice rockets and emergency flares that were being fired off in the distance but while they were perplexed they simply concluded that the ocean liner was having some good old-fashioned fun. Sadly, despite being one of the closest ships in the area, despite having the ability to save and to rescue, the ship's response was one of no response. In other words, their course of action was one of inaction. Uh, But there was another ship called the Carpathia. It was 58 miles away but it had its radio on and it received the call that the, the Titanic was in distress and it was beginning to sink and so the Carpathia powered up all of its engines and headed directly for this cruise liner navigating the terrain and the ice sheets throughout the night and when the crew showed up sadly many had already perished but because of their response 705 lives were saved from certain death And we can easily conclude that out of the two ships, one was in maintenance mode and one was in missions mode. And really, in light of our text this morning, church, I want to simply just remind us and exhort us from what the word of God says to us that the church has not been called and commissioned to operate in maintenance mode. Uh, The church is to be perpetually in missions mode. Uh, we're to be on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We can easily slip into a state of inactivity Uh, thinking that the church is about nice lights and great audio-visual support and engaging social media platforms, nice people with nice clothes with nice cars and nice homes. We begin to think that that's what the church is For and what it's all about but beloved the church is a battleground not a playground Uh, the church is a war ship headed into battle not a cruise ship headed to the Bahamas nothing wrong with the Bahamas you ought to go (laughs) Uh, but you get the point if we're not careful, if we're not watchful, if we're not diligent, we will begin operating as the Californian and not the Carpathia. Uh, we will watch the world sink when we have the power to do something about it. Amen. Instead of being the Carpathia, we must take up this call to be on mission for Jesus Christ. And the other thing about the church is it's interesting, it's sometimes we gather here and we begin to expect the world to come to us when Jesus has sent this church to go out into the world. Bring friends here, bring, bring visitors here, bring your neighbors here, but, but, but also go out there. The, the evangelistic platform is not just for the preachers for everybody in the pews you're you're to come here to get equipped to get sent out there we must not allow the great commission to become the great omission in light of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ here in our text the the, the movement of Matthew shifts in the scriptural spotlight now shines brightly upon those last Some of the last recorded words of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 16 we're told that the disciples minus Judas gathered at an undisclosed mountain in Galilee directed by the Lord Jesus himself and notice he calls them his disciples not his deserters are y'all in here with me y'all remember who we talking about now They they fled when Jesus was betrayed and arrested. They denied Jesus on multiple occasions. They did not join with Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus to ask for the body and bury his body in the borrowed tomb. They did not join with the women who went to the tomb early that Sunday morning to embalm the Lord Jesus and to pay respects. They were hidden. They were missing in action and yet still the text tells us that they're called his disciples and that, that ought to make you want to shout because brothers and sisters to be honest yeah, come on. our failures don't have to be final. Yeah. If you failed Jesus 10,000 times yesterday you can start anew this morning. What you did yesterday don't have to define who you are in Jesus you can be his disciple today. Jesus is not like us, thank God. He, he doesn't hold our sins against us when we come to him, when we believe in him, when we trust in him for obedience. He does not continuously bring up our wrongdoings. He he forgets them. He, he casts them into the sea, the Bible says, and he remembers them no more. He forgives. He restores. He forgets. And the tension still uh, fills up. Look with me at verse 17. You caught it when we read it. It says, and while they saw him, some worshiped him. And that's just the right response to seeing the Lord Jesus resurrected. Amen. 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 But notice it says some doubted. That struck me because um, if I'm gonna start a new movement if I'm gonna start a new mission if I just got raised from the dead again I'm gonna to have to start with some new disciples it, it, the text would say okay and then they doubt it and then he went and got some new people but that's not what he does does he uh, because uh, if, if we're hard on them then we must therefore be hard on ourselves uh, many are gathered here today and you got your Bible you're looking at your Bible I, I know that you love your Bible but but see sometimes we doubt uh, we doubt God's power uh, we doubt God's continuous presence we doubt his constant care we doubt whether or not he can intervene in our particular predicament sometimes we show up to worship but we still doubt yes, we do. Come on, what I like about them is they still bring their doubts to Jesus even though they had doubts and the truth is church um, Jesus can overcome your reluctance he can he, he can override and overrule any issues or challenges that you have it says Jesus came and spoke to them the Bible says he will not break a bruised reed uh, he will not quench a smoking flax any weak faith can still lay hold of a strong God he did not stand at a distance but came near the interesting thing uh, Augustine puts it this way they the disciples had something that you and I don't have Uh, they had physical evidence of the resurrected Jesus uh, right before them he he came down right to where they were they could see him they could feel him they could touch him and while we don't have that we have something greater than that Uh, we have the record of it but what we have is evidence of the global church they needed proof that Jesus was alive and living we have proof that this was true because we are in a church today and it's a global church they have that at that time Jesus overcame Satan he overcame sin he overcame death and he can overcome your doubts Uh, so much so that the early church they were so committed to the mission of Jesus these very same disciples that we're talking about even folks just like you and me uh, they were doubting they were wavering they did not believe that they were up for the task but um, Acts 17 records that the people of Thessalonica said this these men who have turned the world upside down have now come here to this city The power of the gospel is able to turn this world upside down still today Uh, my point is simply this Jesus uses weak fallible people every day Uh, Jesus don't look for protect uh, um, uh, exactness in your life he he doesn't look for perfection in your life he can use a crooked stick and hit a straight lick the question now we come to the question we come to the question what what really is the key to a church on mission Uh, what does it look like for a church to be on mission I just have three things for you and I'm gonna take my seat first of all a church on mission is a church who surrenders to the authority of Jesus a church on mission is a church which surrenders to the authority of Jesus, verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And the Bible uses a multitude of words to describe uh, power and authority. The most popular and common in the New Testament is this word called uh, dynamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite. Um, It's rearranging power. Um, and and Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation it's the 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 dunamis and and so that's not the word interestingly that Jesus uses here he invokes another word called uh, exousia not trying to just make it cool or anything like that I'm gonna make a point exousia does not simply mean power or might, but it does uh, mean that the, it's something of sovereign authority or dominion or jurisdiction to exercise that power. Let me give you a couple of examples. Think of a police officer in the city of Alexandria. They're given a badge, they're given a car, they're given a taser and a gun. They, they have dunamis. They have power. Uh, but but when they leave the city of Alexandria when they leave the city limits they they lose Exusia. they don't have jurisdiction are y'all with me uh, let me try it another way Keith help me out um, years ago I used to officiate um, I used to be a be a referee for middle school and high school basketball across the state of Virginia um, oftentimes would show up to a to a gym and and the players they would be bigger stronger and faster than the officiating crew that I was a part of and so they had dunamis they could run they can jump they had physical strength they lifted weights but even though we were smaller weaker and slower we showed up with nothing except something called a whistle they had dunamis, we had exousia. Amen. That's right. They had nice shoes, they could dunk the ball, they could jump out the gym, they could shoot the lights out. I had the power to stop the game. Amen. <laughs> I had the power to forfeit a game. I had the power, I won't tell y'all the whole story, I had the power to throw somebody's grandmother out the gym. ask me about that another time. (laughs) They had dunamis, we had with a whistle, exousia, right? And so Jesus is not only saying I have all power, which he does have, he's saying I have all the authority he rules he overrules and he super rules everything in this world um, he's he's saying church I'm in charge I'm, I'm large and I'm in charge I, I'm in complete control I, I call the shots and whatever I say goes um, uh, note with me it's it shows us something about the scope of his authority the Bible just simply says one word all not some authority not a bunch of authority. All authority. Supreme authority. He, he makes it crystal clear that there is none other. Uh, he exercises all power and there's not anything in this universe that's not subject to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, next consider with me the, the span of his authority. It's right here it just says in heaven and on earth. Uh, it covers everything up there and everything down here it works both in eternity and in history it, it covers every governmental agency every wicked leader every person that you can think of in heaven and on earth example would be Satan sometimes there are some who think that Satan has all power but but beloved brothers and sisters if we just looked at the Bible and read it just a little bit we would recognize he don't have all power That's right. Jesus has all power and all authority in heaven, meaning over the angels and demons below. Uh, uh, Satan is not even the warden of hell. He's an inmate. He, he don't woo hell. He an inmate in hell say not a CEO or or um, the C-suite he's not the chief executive he's not a senior director he a team lead (laughs) he got some authority he don't have all authority Um, his ability God's ability in Christ what what he's saying with this authority and with this power he's able to keep you fully hey he's able to keep you from falling he's able to present you faultless he's able to do all things necessary for your life for your good he can intervene he can get involved and this is one of the best clearest Christological statements about Jesus Christ you will come across in the Bible uh, because some will say that he's the son so therefore he's not God and what he's saying is no I am God I might just read the text he, he's saying that I, I'm God I'm equal with God. We, we have the same power, the same characteristics. I'm God, right? He's not less than Lord. And, and what it ultimately gets to, what, what it sums up to is simply this, a response. If Jesus has all power in heaven and on earth and it's complete authority, then does he have all that authority in your life? Uh, does he have the right to govern and rule your thoughts, your behaviors, your financials, your relationships, your marriage, your singleness? Everything that you have is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because if he has all the power, then we ought to surrender to the power. Amen. Surrendering is different from committing to. When I make a commitment, I still have some power but if I surrender I gave up my rights Amen. the the text is calling the disciples then and the disciples this very morning to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ interestingly brothers and sisters we don't make him lord he's already lord we just recognize him as lord yes. and that's what it's calling us to do and so a question before we go any further we said that one of the keys is one that surrenders to the absolute authority of Jesus Christ we, we can't go past that are, are you under the Lordship of Jesus Christ have you professed him have you confessed him have you denied yourself and taken up a cross Jesus Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth and before we can minister with that authority of Christ we must be sure that we're living under that authority of Christ. So we're to surrender first of all to the authority, second of all, a church on a mission is a church that obeys the assignment of Jesus, the assignment of Jesus. Verse 19, Jesus moves from his claim his authority to his commission by stating go therefore basically because I have done this because of the fact that I have all authority because I have all power everywhere because I am Lord now therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in America it's commonplace for us to emphasize that word "go," nothing wrong with that, but um, the only imperative in this particular passage is the commission to make disciples. Going is a where my English major's at --going is a participle that hangs under making disciples. Going, in other words, church, is a way to make disciples. It's not the um, recipe for making disciples. Makes sense? Um, let me try to explain that a little bit further. Um, a disciple is somebody who attaches themselves to their teacher. They identified with them, they, they learned from them, they lived with them, and they, they learned not simply by listening but by doing. They were somebody who dedicated their lives not only to follow their master but also to become like their master. It's not good enough to just learn about Jesus. You need to be growing into the likeness of Jesus that's a disciple in other words church this particular commandment this particular imperative upon us is not just another commitment that we add to the Christian life y'all not in here yet it's not just something else that we add to the list of things that we must do what Jesus is saying this is the thing to do this is the list make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ it's it's the commitment it's a demand on our lives and at times it must reorient our entire lives it's the job description for the church it's, it's the primary and principal business of the church Popeyes makes chicken Krispy Kreme makes donuts Pepsi makes drinks the church makes disciples the reality is we're either making disciples or making excuses as to why we're not making disciples here's the key though it takes a disciple to make one you can't make a disciple if you're not one you can not tell somebody else to follow Jesus if you're not really following Jesus It takes a disciple to make a disciple Jesus does not share with us the great consideration or the great contemplation this is not something that we need to really pontificate about it's really not something he's saying y'all need to hold the church prayer service about he's not expecting us to consider it but to do it make disciples how do we make disciples? Three things. First of all, by going. This language assumes that we're constantly moving, that we're always on the go. It's it's really as as you are going, make disciples. The disciples were there on that hillside and they were looking at Jesus, they were struck and they were worshiping and Contextually, they, what Jesus was trying to tell them, church, was they had to leave where they were. He's not telling them a particular coordinate to start. He's not saying start here, then go here, then do that, do this. He's basically essentially saying, you have to move from where you are off this mountain, you have to go to where some other people are. And so therefore, church, the question ought to be is, where do we begin? I, the, the Bible just simply just recommends that you just start going somewhere and as you're going you're making disciples. it is part of the normal agenda of your life as you go to work, as you go to church, as you go wherever you're going, make disciples of Jesus Christ. Baptizing going baptizing. baptizing is a public. Pledge of allegiance and identification uh, to the Lord Jesus and His Kingdom, His Church. Baptism does not save you. Uh, if, if you're not careful, you can. Uh, the Old church used to say, um, "You could go in as a dry devil and come up as a wet devil." <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. You you just wasting our choir our little baptismal robe and all that stuff. Some towels. Don't don't do that. We got to set up for it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> baptism is an outward sign of an inward washing Come on now. More time. we're recognizing publicly essentially you're no you're no longer a secret disciple you're, you're no longer a closet Christian when when you go into baptism you're making a pledge of allegiance that you no longer serve the kingdoms of this earth you serve the king of kings And, and it's a declaration of faith that I have already believed now I want to show the world that I do trust in the Lord Jesus Christ before I move on notice that the text says in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit there's a lot that I could say there. Um, let me just share this with you before I move on. There is power in that name. When you call upon the Trinity, when you call upon that name, that, that wonderful name, there, there's power in that name. One night um, in Jacksonville, Florida, there was a lady named Jack, Jackie Hagler, and she was hosting a jewelry party and she had invited about 15 or so of her friends and it was supposed to be just a very fun Friday evening and um, it took a sudden turn as there was a man named Derek Lee who broke into their home unbeknownst to them and he walked in wearing all black and uh, a bandana over his face and a ski mask and um, he had allegedly entered a side room and now he had entered into where the party was and he pointed the gun at the women um, and told them to give up their money and their phones and their possessions. They were thinking and it was a practical joke. They thought it was part of the party. One of the ladies pushed the gun aside, said get that gun out my face. Lee yelled at them and he told them that he was gonna shoot somebody and that it was not a joke and they still did not take him seriously until he showed them the bullets in the gun. Jackie says I stood up and I pointed to the door from where he came from and I said to him get out of my house in the name of Jesus. (laughs) he threatened them again and she told them again get out of my house in the name of Jesus and before you knew it all the women were shouting in the name of Jesus Uh, the scene turned. he quickly scanned the room he put down his gun and terror filled his face and he ran out of the house that was the end of the story he ended up being arrested later on but it was in the name of Jesus when you call upon that name and when you're baptized in that name there's power in that name baptizing um, there's dunamis there go ahead somebody listening we're to go we're to baptize but we're also to teach the Bible says teach them to observe all that I commanded you. Like what one said, A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors these days, he said, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And see, to obey all you need to understand and actually read all. You need to hear all. You need to have your eyes glance over all. You you need to connect with all of what's in the scripture if you're going to have to obey all. Must be from the Word of God. Teaching must begin with the Word of God yet here in America we stop at the teaching of the Word of God what Jesus is looking for his disciples who make disciples to do is not only teach with their tongue but also teach with their lives in other words we're called to be living epistles living letters demonstrating a life in faith of Jesus Christ. Jesus taught from the scriptures, but but he also embodied the scriptures which he taught. He was the living word and the written word. Um, Paul says it this way to second or in 2 Timothy 3. He says, you, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings, all that happened to me at Antioch. That seems to me as more than the teaching of the scriptures. He taught his entire embodied life to Timothy, his disciple. In other words, church, it it involves you giving up your life. Uh, We can't make part-time disciples. You can't be a part-time Christian and you can't be a part-time disciple. It's a full-time commitment. You have to share your life with somebody else so that they can see you struggle, so that they can see you overcome, that they can see you trust Jesus when it's hard, that they can see you operating in faith when it's difficult, when they can see you calling upon that name, when they can see you come to church when you're sick, when they can see you doing all the things that you need to do in spite of what's happening in your life. That's teaching. It's precept and example. It's both living word and we ought to embody the living word. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorites as well, he says, The Bible is not the light of the world. The Bible is the light of the church. The world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. You are the salt and light of the earth they're not reading the scriptures we're reading they're reading you Amen. and they're reading to see if there's any Christ likeness there Amen. we're to go where to baptize and where to teach I share this with Pastor White the other day i um, read a story about a man named uh, Henry Morehouse it was a touching story Henry Morehouse met DL Moody um, and in the UK and uh, Moody was in Chicago pastoring his church and he took a vacation and went away and um, when he left Morehouse came to his church and started preaching at his church he invited himself and what he did there was a revival which broke out while Moody was away he came back and he, he hears rumblings of a revival happening at his church while he is away and his wife said, um, "I think you'll like him, although he preaches differently than you do." And so Moody said, "Well, how so?" She said, "Well, he tells sinners that God loves them." And Moody wasn't that he wasn't so sure about that. He said, "Wait, wait. Okay, let me go check him out." So he goes to the service. Um, Morehouse had preached from John 3.16 two nights in a row. This is the third night. Moody goes there, doesn't say anything, sits in the crowd and sits in the audience. He said he called the text John three sixteen. He said he preached the most extraordinary sermon from that text. And D.L. Moody said this. He said I have never known that God had loved us that much. He said I just wept. He said I, I felt my heart soften, I, I felt the coldness begin to thaw out and I began to see the love of God in real life if you don't know what to teach if you don't know the dunamis and that's okay nobody's gonna be impressed with that tell sinners that there is a God who loves them and who died for them finally a church on a mission clings to the assurance of Jesus a church on a mission clings to the assurance of Jesus Uh, verse 20 I'm almost done and behold I am with you always to the end of the age Um, the apostles were illiterate they had no money they had no programs they had no plan they had no church building they had nothing that they can bring to the table and so obviously try to attempt something and execute something so magnanimous something so worldwide that they would never heard before done before You could imagine that they were trying to figure out how they were going to accomplish this task. They were poor. They were illiterate. They had no power or might. And they would crumble in and of themselves if it wasn't for the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he comes from a commandment and a commission to now a precious promise. I will be with you always not I was with you or not I will be with you in the future sometime no I am presently going to be with you when last year I was um, nominated as the uh, the candidate to go forth as the next senior pastor here at the Oakland Baptist Church just giving you a page out of my story Um, not 48 hours after uh, found myself in a relational valley Um, I had figured in my mind this is how my mind works because I was scared of the task I knew I didn't have the ability I knew I didn't have the resume or the skill set but but somehow I was called by the leadership to to be the one to go forward Uh, things got kind of rocky and relationships began to to wane but I had to preach Years ago I, I told somebody, if, I, if I, I'm never going to be called a pastor so therefore that's what it is, but if I am called to pastor I'm going to preach out of the book of Joshua. Joshua is my favorite book, Joshua 1-9 is my favorite text, so I have to preach. Nothing feels consistent, the world seems to be shifting, things are changing, relationships aren't as solid as they used to be, but I still have to preach, right. preach the word. I said hey I guess I'm gonna to go to Joshua Amen. I, I don't, don't know what else and while studying I'm not kidding last year around this time last year the first Sunday in May was the first message in Joshua Amen. first Sunday in May last year was the first message in Joshua I looked at the text I said Lord I I'm struggling, don't know what I'm going to say. Flip the pages. I said, let me just look at your word and see what you got to say to me. Uh, before I say anything to them, let me see what you have to say to me. And I looked and my eye caught my favorite verse, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go and it was as if I touched the hem of his garment I had support from my wife the elders many of you all but it was now I had the strength of Christ he said don't don't be dismayed I'm with you wherever you go I said, there there it is. (laughs) That's what he says. And see, he not only shared that with me, but he's sharing that today with you. He, He shared that then with the disciples, but he's also sharing it today to his disciples right now that he is always with you perpetually with you there is an unceasing unbreakable bond that God in Christ has with his people he says I am with you now today in the valley whatever you might be struggling with or going through Jesus says no I'm with you still And if you have Jesus I I don't know about you if you have Jesus with you what else could you be worried about if you have Jesus on your side what could we not do therefore we are more than conquerors with Christ we are able to do whatever he calls us to do the Lord says I am with you he assures them of his constant presence he assures them of his perpetual presence to the end of the world he says this if all people on the earth if all the angels in heaven if everybody turned their back on you Jesus says I will not forsake you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you we can go forward to make disciples if we trust in the assurance that he offers us but oftentimes we're skating on the promises of God like a child on thin ice Instead of running with confidence, we're, we're, we're barely tapping and we're barely moving. We're, 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 we're wondering if the, 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 the ice is going to shatter beneath us. Uh, but his promises, the Bible says, are yes and amen. They're tried and true. If he says he'll be with you, I promise you he'll be with you. As we make disciples, whatever you run into, whatever scenario that comes up, it's gonna be hard, it'll be difficult, people's lives are messy, I'm messy, you're the same way, we're hard-headed, we're stiff-necked, we don't wanna do right all the time, we're mean at times, we're grumpy, we're grouchy, we're lazy. I'ma stop there, I'ma stop there. No, no telling what I'ma say. Somebody gonna leave say, "Man, the pastor just talked bad about me. He didn't say nothing about Jesus. He just talked bad." Had somebody, mama, call the church. I'll say, talk to Elder White. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be hard, messy, difficult, but it will be worth it. Uh, let me end with this, just on a on a. Interesting. note. We'll, we'll circle back to the Titanic on April the 14th, 1912. Once the ship began to go down, y'all know God always got a witness. He ain't never running short. He always got a disciple right where he wants them to be. And so this night it was a man named John Harper. Guess where he was going to the Moody Bible church. He was sailing with his six-year-old daughter Nana and headed to Moody Bible Church to preach and according to the records um, and the interviews that they conducted, Harper took his daughter to a lifeboat and he was widowed, um, he just, it was just him and his daughter, but um, the records say that he bent down and kissed his little girl and looked her in the eyes and told her, I, I'm, I will see you again. Flares started to go up, and um, tears on everyone's faces as the ships and the the ship and the lifeboats life were departing from one another, and um, many began to jump off deck and into the icy waters. And John Harper was one of these people, and so he's now in the waters. His daughter is on the lifeboat, and um, God was still at work, even in the midst of the darkness. God was still at work working things out and and so he's there and he's in the water and he he bumps into a man while floating and Harper says "Um, are you saved (laughs) and the man says no Harper says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved he took off his life vest and he gave it to somebody else he said are you saved they said no and he said you're gonna need this more than I'm gonna need it (laughs) and he struggled throughout the night it was dark the lights went off in the Titanic so they could not see and um, he floated away from that first man and he drifted into the darkness but as fate or providence would have it Harper came drifting back to the same man he began with. Now Weak, exhausted, freezing from hypothermia, he asked him again. He says, Hey, are you saved? And the man responds again, No! Harper repeated one more time, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. With that, he slipped into his watery grave. But when um, rescued by the Carpathia, this man, Upon gathering with the survivors in Ontario, ultimately dedicated his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did he dedicate his life, he became a disciple of Jesus Christ. All because one person, with one message, at one moment, told somebody about the love of God in Christ. He wasn't able to make him a disciple, but he witnessed to him. He could give him nothing else at that time, but he shared the message. Brothers and sisters I simply end with that because God has placed you in a certain place in a certain time with certain people for a particular reason and it's not to bring them to your pastor. It's to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ and when you do similarly we um, became foster parents back in July the baby was already born they don't need us to cause a baby to be born they need us to cause um, love and respect and and um, have authority and love in that baby's life to raise that child similarly when someone is converted they need to grow from infancy into maturity uh, part of the problem with the church is we got too many immature Christians we've been Christians for 30 years but really someone said we've been a Christian one year old Christian for 30 times <laughs> and why would not we have problems in the church we still infants at times and the reason it will never change unless we take up the honor of making disciples of Jesus Christ Growing others into Christ's likeness, raising others into the image of Jesus Christ. Let me pray before I keep going, Father we thank you for your word. Oh, We thank you for this time, we thank you for these stories and we thank you for this most wonderful account. We thank you that even though we fail you, you have never failed us. Even though we are faithless, you are still faithful. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are patient with us, that your mercies endure forever. Great is thy faithfulness. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use us, that you would uh, encourage us, that you would exhort us, and that you would show us just opportunities and ways to make disciples of you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. Though the whole earth gives way and the mountains be moved, you will still be our refuge and strength. So Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every person now that we would examine ourselves, that we would consider our ways, that we would evaluate our time, that we would consider our giving, that we would uh, ultimately just do a reassessment of, are we in the business of making disciples? Heavenly Father, we pray that your spirit will fall afresh upon us. We pray that you would continue to move and have your way. Lord, we love you and we adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. 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 And amen. amen.